I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hey, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. I'm excited to be introducing today's guest, Dr. Valerie Rain, who has discovered something called patriarchy stress disorder, or PSD. She has created the only science-backed system for helping women to achieve their ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment by healing the generational trauma of oppression. She holds a master's in education in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD in psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. Her best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment, and her cutting-edge programs have helped thousands of women shift from survival into thriving and master the game of how good can it get in their work and personal lives. Dr. Valerie is a sought-after speaker and trainer at conferences and companies committed to setting new standards of excellence in their industry in diversity, equity, and inclusion, employee satisfaction, their physical and mental health, and creativity and innovation. Dr. Rain was an absolute pleasure to speak with. She is dynamic. She's interesting. She talks a lot about her own personal journey recovering from patriarchy stress disorder, as well as the hundreds of women that she's worked with over the years of her career as a clinical psychologist. Dr. Rain really helps to redefine what trauma actually is and why we as females are suffering from it and what we can do about it. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Her book was powerful for me because it put into words things that I've thought about, talked about, known about, understood intuitively and anecdotally over the years of my career and my own life. And she really captures it in a profound way that I think gives a lot of information about how to move forward for all of us in terms of our healing from the oppression of being female in a patriarchal culture. Enjoy. Welcome, Dr. Valerie. I am so, so honored and thrilled to have you here with us today on the podcast. And I'd love to hear where you're calling in from and just a little snapshot into your world. Mm, Hi, Emma. So good to be here. I am in Tucson, Arizona. Is it really hot there? It is hot. It is gorgeously hot here in the desert. So we get up really early to get our outdoor time in this time of year and the evenings are just gorgeous with the pool being so warm and yeah very much enjoying the desert lifestyle 
Oh, that sounds wonderful. You were really one of the top people on my dream list, actually, when Mm -hmm. I started this podcast, who I wanted to interview because I came across your book in the past year and watched a number of your interviews. And I was just floored because I felt like you were putting things into language and a way of um, explaining things in your book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, that I've been thinking about and talking about and feeling in my own life and with the women that I work with for so long. So to be able to have this conversation with you today is just really exciting for me. Thank you so much, Emma, for me too. So I'm wondering before we get deep into your book and all of the concepts you work with, can you tell us a little bit about you and how you came to focus on women and patriarchy stress disorder in your life and in your work and some of the pivotal turning points that sort of led Mm. you to this place? Mm. Well, that story begins pretty much with the beginning of my life and beginning to uh, orient myself in the world. And the main orienting question for me was, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Uh, Why am I getting all these messages? Don't be so smart. No one would want to marry you. Don't wear this. You look like, like a slut. Don't wear that. You look like a nun. Oh, you look good, meaning you lost weight. Oh, you're too skinny. You got to eat something. And that question guided me step by step to the study of, drum roll, psychology. (laughs) What else would I study to figure out what's wrong with me? And then two graduate degrees later, I was having, living the life of my dreams I had a thriving private practice in New York. I had a family and home in New York City suburbs. And I loved my life. I loved my work. And one day I was on the phone with a client and I noticed that I was smiling with only the right side of my face and the left side of my face just hung in there. And so did my left arm. And after finishing the call... I got in the car and drove myself using my right arm to the emergency room where they scanned me up and down the whole day. And the verdict at the end was just stress. That was my official diagnosis, quote unquote, just stress, which both relieved me and puzzled me to no end because I actually did not feel stressed. If you had asked me if I was happy, I would have said, absolutely, absolutely. And I just, it just felt normal. Everything felt normal, the status quo. Until I ended up in the emergency room with the left side of my body offline. And that hit a pause button on the status quo. And the security blanket of stress and workaholism began to slip off. And that was a really profoundly disturbing moment because underneath that blanket, the question of what's wrong with me was alive and well. And it was still guiding my life in overworking and other things that I was doing to cope with the pain. And... 
And the pain was very real because I literally have done everything I knew how to do to be happy and fulfilled. And although I have checked off all those boxes, the truth was a very inconvenient truth was that I didn't feel happy and fulfilled. And in addition to my outer accomplishments, I focused a lot on the inner work, years in therapy, having read all the self-help books I could get my hands on, lots of workshops, personal development, seminars, et cetera, et cetera, yoga retreats galore, certified yoga teacher, mindfulness instructor, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yet, and yet I wasn't comfortable in my skin. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So the conclusion was, am I so broken? I must be so broken that nothing works for me. Or perhaps maybe it's as good as it gets. Am I ungrateful? My life is good. So many people would switch places with me in a heartbeat. Am I just ungrateful? And what else do I want? Who do I think I am? Nobody's life is perfect. I should just accept that's how it is and move on. But thankfully, I had role models in my clients because my clients were actually somehow shifting out of the stuck places where they couldn't see their own light and unfurling their authenticity, their authentic voice, their authentic desires. And they were just shifting into this fuller and fuller enjoyment of life and their relationships and their work in the world, playfulness and pleasure. And I began to wonder, what was I doing for my clients that I wasn't doing for me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the answer was with all of my clients, I was using mind-body trauma healing tools, even though they, most of them did not have any traumatic experiences they would identify as traumatic. Normal childhoods, normal lives, whatever that means, right? normal. (laughs) And yet they were all showing this telltale symptom of trauma, which is disconnection from parts of themselves, from parts of their body, from parts of their desires. And the reason I wasn't using these tools for myself was that ironically, I didn't think I had any trauma until my body signaled that disconnection so loudly I couldn't ignore it. And I began to wonder, could there be some kind of trauma that we're just not considering at all, that we're overlooking, that maybe we're looking in all the wrong places. We're focusing so much on, you know, maybe, you know, adverse childhood experiences. We're focusing on uh, big T traumas, right? Life-threatening experiences. But could there be something else? And at the time, research was coming out showing that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted. And these discoveries in the field of epigenetics really connected the dots for me. Oh, women have been oppressed for thousands of years under patriarchy. Yeah. Didn't have ownership of our bodies or our children. Didn't marry for love. 
only for survival. Couldn't have our own money. Not up until 1960, a woman, a woman uh, couldn't open her own bank account in the U.S. And not up until 1988, a woman, a woman hasn't been able to take out a business loan in her own name or, or own a home, or et cetera, et cetera. Right? So many layers of disempowerment and trauma, and. Connecting these dots led to the discovery of patriarchy stress disorder or PSD, this ancestral or intergenerational collective trauma that lives in our bodies, that lives in our subconscious, lives in our nervous system, and is driving these experiences such as, you know, overworking, um, stress feeling normal. Because the nervous system is just constantly, constantly in overdrive in the world where it's never been safe to be a woman. It's never been safe to be a woman. And we're hanging out in the state of the nervous system constantly being in fight, flight, freeze. And that is the answer to how come we're not deeply in touch with our embodied experience of happiness and fulfillment. And the answer to the question of what's wrong with me turns out to be nothing, nothing. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with anyone else, but we all have something to heal. Yes. Thank you so much. It's so powerful to think about how much this permeates Mm -hmm. collective experience and how conditioning or culture makes us, like you're saying, look at the individual. What's wrong yeah. with me? What happened in my life? What's wrong in my marriage? All these very un- like singular issues as opposed yeah. to the more global collective inheritance we're all suffering from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that you pointed out cultural conditioning. We have a very lethal interplay of patriarchy, colonialism, Racism is a more recent invention, but stemming from those earlier ones, patriarchy and colonialism. And these philosophies, if you can call them philosophies, ways ways of being in the world, um, have created the mythology of the individual, the individual as this lone hero. You got to be strong. And that's the philosophy of, of divide and conquer. Um, if we are approaching things as if, okay, it's all you, like, yeah, it's all you, it's all all your fault and it's all your responsibility. We're always chasing the wrong target when we're overlooking our interdependence. Because we're, we inter are, we inter are with one another. We we are in interbeing with the planet, with everything. And everything that we experience forms us and we're participating in forming the experience. So it's a much bigger conversation what it means to unpack and start healing these intergenerational and collective traumas that separate us from our own bodies and that separate us from the fullness of our own authentic humanity. And then as a consequence, separate us from the fullness of humanity in other people and make possible oppression 
and other abuse of the earth and other crimes. Yeah, it's so, it's that dehumanization that makes that all possible, that separation, yeah. that, yeah, otherness. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impacted hearing about the story with your face and how mm-hmm. they, and that it was stress and they couldn't find any other cause. Right. Um, and I appreciate how you really allowed that to be a turning point in your life. You allowed it to deliver its message instead of just moving on. Yeah. Well, at first I moved on. Uh, when <laughs> I skipped over the part of the story when they delivered the diagnosis. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, great. Just stress. I looked at the clock and I realized I could still make my evening client appointments because I only canceled the afternoon ones. So I got in the car, you know, I changed out of the hospital gown first <laughs> and then drove to the office and saw my clients as if nothing had ever happened. And then, you know, you got to think about these big things such as having symptoms of a stroke. And even though it yeah. appeared, it, it, it was quote unquote, just stress. I really did not want this message to get any louder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you, I feel like in, in everything you just shared, you explained what patriarchy stress disorder is. And I'm wondering, you talk a lot in your book about the concept of jailbreak mm-hmm. and basically freeing ourselves from yeah. PSD. And I'm wondering if you can speak more to what that is and how women go about it. Yeah, jailbreak, using the metaphor of the invisible in the prison to describe PSD. I mean, actually other kinds of trauma too, they, they, they operate uh, according to the same basic pattern. Perhaps I'll take a micro step back and paint the picture of what trauma actually is. And then we can show the healing process. Trauma is any experience that made you feel unsafe, unsafe physically or emotionally. In your fullest authentic expression, unsafe. (laughs) And just allow that definition to scan through your system and let all of those micro experiences pop up. They don't have to be life-threatening experiences. Your body remembers every instant when you felt unsafe physically or emotionally and then you felt like oh, shrinking, crawling into a hole, um, disappearing. You felt like running away. You felt like fighting back. You felt like playing dead, right? The fight, flight, freeze reactions. And you didn't have an opportunity to do so at the time, right? All of these things that we experienced throughout our lives, those micro traumas in addition to what we have inherited from generations before these create imprints and these imprints in our nervous system then create trauma adaptations that keep us safe going forward and these trauma adaptations show up in the mind body and actions to keep us safe in my system i call them prison guards and they show up as thoughts as somatic embodied expressions and as different uh, addictive behaviors and patterns that are not serving, that they're not working in collaboration with our authentic desires. 
they are serving our survival only by keeping us in prison. So the journey of jailbreak is a product, a distillation of over 20 years of my search. Um, (laughs) First to answer the question of what's wrong with me and then how it took me to uh, studying embodied, embodied trauma and healing it. And the journey starts as any journey starts with waking up with that awareness the first step on the journey is waking up in prison, is recognizing there is nothing wrong with me. And these traumas create the invisible in the walls that I keep running into when I reach for my desires. And we identify them. We take a really fine calm and identify a lot of them, which we never even thought of as traumatic. And in the process, it's not a it's not a thinking process, it's not a talking about it process. It's really going deeper into the body and in a safe space, in a safe environment, having the body tell the stories that she remembers, even stories we don't even know mm-hmm. because we inherited them or the stories that maybe we lived, but uh, our conscious mind did not retain, dismissed it as not important or repressed it or suppressed it. Um, When I worked as a therapist, I had so many clients come to me and say, well, this happened a long time ago. It doesn't affect me anymore. (laughs) Right? I'm sure you you hear it too. Every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or I I already worked on this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But then the body begs to differ. Like my body had to signal through going offline on the left side that there's trauma there. There is trauma there. And these signals don't have to get drastic. They are sometimes much more subtle. Even so basic as how we hold our body, how we hold tension in the body, um, scanning that, getting to know that, can tell us so, so many stories. So we do this big unpacking, gradual unpacking as we wake up in prison. And then we get to meet our prison guards. These are the trauma adaptations that have evolved to keep us safe. And most of them, if not all of them, are not up to date. This trauma, trauma is a time machine. Trauma keeps us in the time and place when it happened. And it doesn't matter if it's your own or if it's inherited. We still, as a part of PSD, we carry the trauma of it not being safe to use our voice. It's not safe to be visible. It's not safe to make money. There's so much around all these areas. It's not safe to love who we love. And then we... We wonder, oh, well, how come I have issues with intimacy? How come I have issues with uh, arousal and orgasm? How come I just don't seem to have money no matter how hard I work? And it's not us. You're not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. But meeting these prison guards, these trauma adaptations that create the so-called self-sabotage, 
They create the so-called upper limit problem. They are really there to keep us safe. So what we do in this stage, we get to know them, how they show up in the mind, body, and actions. The processes for identifying them, they really benefit from being a part of a community. In our programs, healing is facilitated in a safe environment of a sacred circle of women on this journey. It's just so much easier that way because we we share this trauma and we share very similar prison guards. And so when one woman identifies hers and then everybody else goes, oh yeah, me too, I got those. So it's a a collective uncovering and healing. And then we shift from there to evolving our prison guards to bodyguards. And that's super exciting. So prison guards are not bad guys. They're not our enemies. They're actually our defenders and protectors, but they are out of date. So the truth is that it didn't used to be safe to have money or it didn't used to be possible. But now it is actually much safer to have money than not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all of these things, right? And when we evolve prison guards to bodyguards, the process involves creating embodied safety. We use mind, body, energy technologies. They, they're grounded in neuroscience, they're grounded in how we work our biology, how we are wired. So instead of fighting how we are wired, we're actually using the same mechanisms. We're working with our systems, not against them. We end the war on the prison guards and we end the war on ourselves. Yes. And what happens there, we recognize that about 90% of our time and energy is consumed in a battle with prison guards, trying to talk yourself in or out of something or battling distractions and other self-sabotage. Yes. Instead of just going with instinct and desire and intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And that shifts us when we evolve the prison guards to bodyguards through creating embodied safety and bringing the the prison guards up to date. Like, see, we're in a different world, right? So there are processes around that. So when that begins to shift, all of a sudden we free up so much capacity, so much time, energy, and as a consequence, money too, because there's a lot of money being poured into prison guard management. Yes. Let me try to fix myself. Yes. Everything you're saying, I just really want to emphasize something you said a little bit mm-hmm. um, a few minutes ago to the listeners, because when I read this in your book, the piece around how a trauma is any experience where we did not feel safe to be our authentic, fully expressed mm-hmm. selves, that really it broadens how we talk about trauma. And, it, yeah. and I think it also, it helped me to look at my own life and also the lives of my clients and to say, unfulfillment in career or not able to make the amount of money you want to make or have the kind of relationship or be treated the way you want to be treated. It doesn't have to be that there was a massive one-time or multiple-time incident. It's that maybe the adults in our environment couldn't embrace us Mm-hmm. and couldn't didn't have the capacity to see us for who we were because they couldn't see and feel themselves that way. Exactly. And that it was such a 
reframe for me, mm-hmm. like to consider how thwarting of authenticity is inherently traumatic. Oh, yes. Thank you for that, Emma. One of my clients uh, recognized from initially reading the book and in our first conversation when she was um, stepping into one of our programs, she said, you know, what really like my big aha moment was recognizing that my mother growing up never delighted in me. My mother never delighted in me and how deeply, deeply traumatic that was. He's so powerful. Yeah. Chills, right? Yes. Whose mother delighted? That is a recent thing, by the way, that people like even are aware to, oh, it matters to like praise our children, delight in our children. Uh, Our parents did not receive a lot of that from their parents and their parents from their parents. It's nobody's fault, but the resulting trauma is with us. And we have now, we, we have the privilege of having access to this information and these tools and the science that tells us, oh, look, trauma is genetically transmitted and so is healing. So we have the opportunity to heal and interrupt the cycle of intergenerational transmission of trauma in one generation. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I was actually just reading that part of your book recently. You were talking about your daughter and, Mm -hmm. and like just by you taking a stand and drawing a line in the sand, she's freed up. Mm, it's so motivating and just recently she, she's nine and I keep healing and uncovering new layers of PSD and other traumas that's my full-time job in my spare time <laughs> yeah. I, I teach and run programs and I work with my partner who is my life partner and he's also a somatic and energy practitioner in trauma resolution so I have a luxury ride. Amazing. Having a live-in facilitator. And we've been unpacking something recently that had to do with my own deeper layers of trauma. And I realized that, you know, um, something that I was playing out with my daughter, how it was connected to my own experience where my mother, until I was four, she was home with me. And we were buds and she taught me how to read and write. And I've been an avid reader since age four. And then she went back to work when I was four. She went back to work. My grandparents were with me, like I was taken care of, but I very much lost my mother. I never saw her again, like except Mm -hmm. for vacations, et cetera. And then I realized with horror, that's the same thing happened. I, I replayed it to a T and I never realized that I'm 43 years old now, right? I had my daughter when I was 33, never occurred to me before, but my daughter also started school, um, the kind of school that's like for real, like pre pre K, whatever that was when she was four. And I was like, there was something that shifted in me. I'm like, okay, she's good. And I'm doing my work. And I actually didn't know how to what to do. I didn't have a role model and what I do now, never thought about it, struggled with this feeling that I don't know how to connect, 
But now having unpacked that, I was able to actually sit down. My daughter is very familiar with trauma work. She's been <laughs> having a front row seat to like most my conversations, et cetera. And I was able to sit down with her and share, honey, you know, I want to talk to you about something that in my experience and my experience with my mother and then her experience, my mother's experience with her mother. Yeah. Like World War II, right? It's just, and and it goes on and on. And I was able to share with her and take accountability for, honey, like I deeply desire to be connected. Um, You know, let's, you know, unpack together. Let's learn together. Let's learn together. You teach me what, what you need to connect with me. And it was just so deep Aww. and profound. And that's courtesy of trauma work. That to me is worth everything, everything. <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing that. I have a almost two-year-old and uh, yeah. And just to hear you finding your way and using it with your daughter, with your mother and your lineage, it's, it is, it's so amazing that like it can take so little to injure us, but it can also take so little to repair those injuries if we're paying attention. It's magic. Yeah. Right? It's magic. So yeah, I am I am just so um so clear that trauma work makes things possible. That there is no way. Like I could have taken parenting courses yeah. until I was blue in the face. I've read books on you better believe, you know, <laughs> knowing my track record of uh, um reading and degrees. I've read uh, parenting books I was like how can I crack the code but until I, I became aware of those tender places that were just oh my god that's it like I lost my mother I'm on my own now and then I didn't didn't know what mothering looked like yeah. from four four years on and it sounds a little dramatic, right? Before doing this work, I would have totally dismissed my own experience. I would have totally gaslighted myself. And that's yeah. what women do. We're taught to gaslight ourselves. Meaning saying, oh, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't abused. I wasn't like orphaned. Yeah. Like, what am I complaining about? So what? My mother went to work. Everybody's mothers, you know, had other things to do. What am I complaining about? And it's not about complaining and it's the opposite of victim mentality. It's actually the most empowering thing to recognize. Oh my gosh. So that impacted me. Mm-hmm. And now I have leverage to work with it. Yes. And giving ourselves the grace that we actually, we have the right to have the experience that we had and acknowledge that whatever experience you had is true. It's accurate. You experienced it. It's not about whose trauma is greater than whose. A lot of women come to me and say, you know, uh, like, yeah, like after a while, all these sexual assaults begin coming up. And and my very bold assertion is, first of all, that 100% of women carry the trauma of sexual assault in their bodies. So many women have experienced it in this lifetime. And then we have inherited our mothers and grandmothers' experiences, right? So it pretty much, it's a, unfortunately, it's a grim thought, but it is accurate. So when these things begin to come up and they say, oh yeah, but it wasn't a rape, but it wasn't a rape, but mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of, you know, I kind of said yes, but 
oh, I didn't want it. And it takes a lot for a woman to even acknowledge that it was sexual assault. It was an unwanted sexual experience. It was a violation of her boundaries. So yeah, maybe you didn't say no because you were in, in the freeze reaction. Yeah. Because you already had that trauma triggered because that's intergenerational, right? If you're not feeling safe, the nervous system is going to go into fight, flight, freeze. So I just want to say to our listeners, if you if you are having things come up and you like questioning yourself, is this real? Is this trauma? Or maybe it wasn't that bad. It doesn't need to be that bad. If your body reacts with constriction, with something, your breath shortens, there's something that your body knows. Make space for it. Your body is is going to take you to healing and yeah. um, we need to honor her. She knows. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel, I just feel the transmission coming through <laughs> to me, my own life, the women I work with, and we really need this voice, this message that you're delivering around what, what I hear is really teaching us to respect our own experience, no matter how nuanced, no matter how mysterious or not logical, but that we can create a more trusting bond with the reactions and responses that our body is doing and start to listen on a deeper Mm -hmm. level. Trusting ourselves is a huge learning curve. It involves a lot of healing from PSD because patriarchy has taught us not to trust ourselves. Women are not trustworthy. That's the patriarchal narrative. Starting yeah. with, not starting with Eve. Eve is just like one of the central archetypes, but the central patriarchal narrative is do not trust women. Women cannot be trusted. They're the downfall of humanity. And we may not ever think that way ever, or we may not have ever experienced other people throwing this at us, but that's what our subconscious knows. And whenever we're tuned into the news coverage, we actually see that narrative in the news used against women. We experienced it in the political uh, campaign and the presidential races that involved women, pretty much if we deconstruct the narrative against women, it always involves the central theme of discrediting her as not being trustworthy. They don't use that against men, by the way. Yeah. Or any attempts to say, oh yeah, this person like lied about this and this. It just rolls off. It's like, it doesn't stick because it's not in the cultural narrative. The biggest, in my view, the biggest unseen uh, privilege of men is being believed, Mm. is being believed in. Say that again. The biggest hidden or unseen privilege of men is being believed in. Yeah. Like the whole culture believes yeah. A man can own a company, be president. Yeah. And even if girls grow up and they receive these messages from supportive parents, mm-hmm. like, honey, you can be anything you want. But she knows. And they've done studies. Children as old as six and seven years old. They did this study in 2017, not ancient history, 2017. They did this study where they showed 
or they told five-year-olds, boys and girls, they told them a story where the gender of the main character was not identified. Mm. But the story was about like this smart, brave leader, Mm -hmm. like all these qualities. And then they asked the boys and the girls, do you think it was a boy or a girl? And most kids identified with their own gender. Um, Boys said it was a boy, girls said it was a girl. But then a year or two later, they repeated the study. And by then, chills, heart sinks. Predominantly, overwhelmingly, girls ascribed uh, the gender of the main character as male. Mm -hmm. They did not see themselves as brave, brilliant, or leaders. Mm -hmm. No. Wow. Six or seven in 2017. Yeah. They are getting messages. You can be whoever you want. You can be, right? But they know. How do they know? PSD. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of my (laughs) questions. This is sort of like why I created this podcast on some level is, (laughs) is, okay, so what, so women are increasing our power, particularly in the United States, right? There's yeah. increased financial power, there's increased political power, there's increased professional power, all this stuff, even with Me Too, increased justice, you know, yes. with sexual assault. And yet we still have so far to go. Yes. So what's your view about like what is actually changed or has changed for women and what still needs to change and, and how do we get there? I realize these are big questions. <laughs> and it's, 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 it, these are very important questions. And thank you so much for going there. Oh, what I see through the lens of this work is that now, thanks to women whose shoulders we stand on, fighting for equality and opportunity and creating changes and laws and awareness, we have more opportunity than ever. And at the same time, our nervous system has not caught up to the fact that we do have power, we do have access, we do have opportunity. And it's, it interprets the opportunity as a threat. Our subconscious interprets the opportunity as a threat to our very survival. And that's crucial to understanding where we go from here. Because we see, I see these patterns of women either going like, um, like breaking through the, the layers of prison guards, trauma defenses, and just going for it. Uh, achieving, showing up, being visible, being vocal. And suffering from adrenal fatigue, suffering from autoimmune conditions that, by the way, 70 to 95% of cases of autoimmune are women. You know, suffering in their relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because their nervous systems are in the constant chronic state of stress because it doesn't feel safe. And then we have women who are in freeze, who desire to show up and it's so frustrating because they're doing it whatever they can they they're reading books going to programs etc and they cannot seem to break through those invisible inner walls and they think it's their fault and it's not their fault 
It's the nervous system being in the freeze, but the underlying cause is the same. The opportunity is interpreted as life-threatening because a woman's power has always been a punishable offense. A woman's power has always been a punishable offense. And our subconscious knows that. And it doesn't matter what we think, by the way. Thinking is (laughs) so overrated. Because from neuroscience, we know that our actions are decided in our subconscious. Our actions are decided in our subconscious. So where we go from here, we go into healing. Because when we heal, we rewire our nervous system. And then we can show up and be effective. And we can create more change in the world without burning out. Mm -hmm. We can create open dialogue about how good can it get really how good can it get that's one of, that's the central question of my book the whole jailbreak journey is about shifting from how much can i bear to how good can it get i love the that question is yeah how good can it get for everybody for everybody how can we create inclusive conversations and lower the divides and that I'm convinced that is only possible in in effective, truly effective ways as we heal traumas that create these divides or underlie these divides in the first place. How good can it get for everybody? I I love that. I'm like, that is such the question and so relevant right now in 2020 in the year that we're having and recognizing that it's not just how good can it get for me because that's yeah. only one part of the story. Yeah, yeah. And it, may, it it's the story begins there, right? Yes. My personal story began with my personal pain. Yes. And pretty much all heroes' journeys begin there. Yes. And, and then we start to heal. And as we begin to heal, we come out of the cocoon of our personal pain and we look around and we, are able, we have capacity yes. to then also be effective in the world. Wow. Okay. So how do, so you've described some pieces you've worked on in your own life and then also this model that you use with women. And how do you know either in yourself or when you're working with somebody when they have resolved something? Like what does it look like or feel like when healing on one level or multiple levels occurs? Oh, it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. And it happens every step of the way. Um, so the system has five stages. I described three pretty in depth and I'm just going to name the fourth and the fifth. After we've evolved our prison guards to bodyguards, we've opened up so much capacity. We can then go deep and heal layers and layers of trauma. So I call this stage tunnel digging mm-hmm. as we dig out and heal trauma using mind, body, energy technologies. And in the fifth stage, we save a freedom. And in that stage, we discover that, oh my gosh, now I can do these things, but can I truly deeply enjoy them? And we start running into what I call patriarchy police, who tries to pull us over, pulls us over every time we're breaking the speed limit (laughs) of how much money you're allowed to have, how good... Uh, your orgasms get to get or your your intimacy, your vulnerability, your relationship, um, et cetera, et cetera, your, your, your wellness, your fitness. And by continuing to increase our capacity in this stage, we are 
lifting the speed limit more and more for ourselves. And then we are giving that permission to other women who then experience us in this more expanded state. And their nervous system goes, oh my gosh, and she's okay. Like she's not being attacked. She's not dead, not being burnt at the stake. So maybe I can do it too. So we are truly changing the world by embodying the change we want to see. And it happens step by step. It's not a linear journey. It's not about going from step one to step five. You can go from all, through all five steps in a second on a particular issue, not a second, a few minutes or a few hours. I don't know. Um, and some things take months and years to unpack. There are always deeper layers. But what's the telltale signs with each step, there is a shift. Uh, like in our programs, we have weekly calls. And on each call, we ask, share with us your jailbreak moments mm -hmm. this week, this week. And we, we teach specific tools every week and women share. And they range what can happen in just a few days? They they range so widely from like, oh my gosh, I just launched two programs that I, I had been sitting on for several years. Yes. So I, um, this month I 4Xed or 5Xed my income, made more money than I've ever made in my life. Woohoo. Or I went on vacation with my husband and was able to disconnect and not check the email or social and actually relax and have fun to, oh, my four-year-old son stopped acting out. Wow. What? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> like having better sex with my husband. It's like, it's delightful and we keep learning from our clients. Like one of our clients recently shared after 20 years of struggling with fibromyalgia and never having a pain-free moment, she started experiencing pain-free windows with using these tools. Incredible. Yeah. Not something we thought, even thought like we could hypothesize about things, but then when it actually happens, it's very exciting. Or another client shared that she had been in therapy for anxiety for 15 years, 15 years. You know, <laughs> you know how it yeah. is with therapy, right? Yes. Just keep going. Yes. And, and then in a few weeks in our program, she actually, her anxiety system resolved. Mm. They just melted off because the work that we do, it, it goes into the nervous system and it rewires the nervous system. It releases uh, patterns that are not even ours, that are ancestral, that are collective. And it's mind boggling how much of what we're struggling with is not ours at all. Yeah. And it, so it's super exciting. It's like, oh my gosh, it's it's like quantum leaps all over the place. and. So it's a lifetime journey for for me for sure. Mm -hmm. I know I know that, but it's also not something you have to work on for years and years to see some result. The results are very fast. For example, we have a three day virtual retreat. Yes, and it's free to attend which uh, is very exciting for us because we can just open doors to every woman who is committed to her jailbreak from all over the world. We've had women even staying up all night who are in completely opposite time zones to when we were holding the retreat. Awesome. And we had women share about the shifts they experienced from those three days 
only. Like one woman shared, I broke up with the scale. She stopped weighing herself, which had been an obsession for her multiple times a day. And right, it's, and we didn't even have like a personal conversation. It was a collective experience when we were teaching the tools and women were having this shift. Amazing. So tell us, what is that experience called? I'll make sure to put it in the show notes, but for people who want to get a sense of your work and experience something like this. Yeah, it's called The Thriving Experience. And the URL is thethrivingexperience.com where you can learn more, you can watch and read some testimonials from the previous one. And... Um, you can register. It's it's free to attend, but it will cost you your life if you play for real. Like the life in prison, the, the life of status quo, we we may completely ruin the prison experience for you. So so be warned. It may jumpstart your your journey to freedom and happiness and fulfillment. And if you are ready for it. Come, the water is warm. The women are amazing. Our favorite feedback from the experience was women saying, This is the most amazing group of women I've ever been a part of. And it's true because mm. what makes it so amazing is because every woman is committed to showing up authentically and witnessing one another outside yeah. of patriarchy induced judgments and blocking ourselves and one another into silos of shame. We step out of that junk together and that's refreshing is to put it mildly it's really it's healing it's healing it's transformative yeah yeah the power and and it's so coming back to the very beginning of our conversation it's like this is a collective injury so the only way for it to resolve is in community is in relationship with other people we can't do it all by ourselves Yeah, so important. Thank you so much for emphasizing that, Emma. And this is also how we change the world, right? My, like I have a lot of motivations behind this mission. One of them is that I want every woman to be a role model for my daughter. I want my daughter to grow up in the world where she's surrounded by women who are free. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. And, And I want to live in the world that is just that is balanced, that is free of oppression. And I'm convinced that, you know, women are the driving force of that. Yes. We are very motivated. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's something that is absolutely achievable through these shifts we experience and then how that translates into how we show up and the ripple effects of our liberation in the world. Amen. So true. So true. If I hand, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. If I handed you a microphone, Mm -hmm. which you have today, but also the opportunity to have your words land Mm. in the hearts and minds of all women all across Mm. the world, what would you want them to know? What would you want them to hear? Mm. There's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. I could 
I could hear that all day long and it wouldn't get old. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's true. And we we need to hear that all day long and say it to other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and this piece that you're naming for your daughter, for yourself, for the world of the recognition that every layer we peel off, every ounce of healing that we do, it becomes an opportunity and a guiding light for others. Yeah. And it's like a four minute mile. Before that record was broken for the first time, it wasn't considered humanly possible. And once the first person broke that record and then a a lot of other people broke that record, it took that first precedent of making the impossible possible. And so for us, we are creating this precedent of shifting from survival to thriving. Yes, you can have it all. Yes, you can you can live a life designed by your desires. And it's not just like some kind of a personal growth slogan. It's it's actually reality that we see like I experience every day in greater unfolding, our clients are experiencing in greater unfolding women who we, we had the honor to, of playing with at the thriving experience weekend we're sharing with us as well. So I hope um, this is, you know, I want to speak directly to the woman listening right now. I hope you don't take my word for anything I said today. Please don't believe me. Um, join us at the experience, read the book. If it resonates with you, the first chapter is downloadable on my web- website at drvalerie.com forward slash book. And allow, maybe just allow for the possibility that maybe, right? Bring your skepticism, bring your, well, maybe it won't work for me. Maybe I'm so broken. Maybe I have tried everything. But just open the door a little bit. And see what your experience has to tell you. So beautiful. And I echo everything that you Mm -hmm. just said. And I highly, highly encourage you, if you're listening and you haven't already read it, to get a copy of Dr. Valerie Rain's book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. It it really has been life-changing for me. Mm -hmm. And everybody I've recommended to it feels the same way. So thank you for doing your work and breaking free enough to be able to get that out into the world and into our hands to support so many of us on our journeys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Emma. And I so appreciate the opportunity of being your guest today, speaking to your beautiful audience. And you are such a soulful, wonderful interviewer with so much of firsthand understanding and willingness to go there with you and your clients. Mm, Thank you so much. And thank you for giving your time to be with us today. It means so much to me. And it's really wonderful to connect with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, 
We each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.